Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. As he brings the word of God today. I cry easy, so I was getting ready to tear, but I, I won't. I appreciate those words. Um, I really do cry easy. Be quiet, Jeremiah. Go ahead, grab your copies of God, God's word. You can go ahead and stand. Y'all know how we do. Ain't nothing new. I'm just filling in for the heavy hitters here. <clears throat> Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew, Gospel according to Matthew, uh, chapter 2. We're going to read from 1 all the way down to 12. Um, let's start on 3. 1, 2, 3. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the day of King Herod, wise men from the east keep reading. If I could tag this text uh, for us today, simply like to say, not today, devil. They would give me the churchiest title, but I'm going to use it anyway. Not today, devil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for yet another opportunity to hear your word, hear you speak to us. Lord, this is indeed a weighty task for anyone who stands before your people and declares your goodness. But it's also a privilege, and I'm thankful today. Lord, hide me behind the cross so that they see nobody but you, high and lifted up. Help me to tell the truth because we know the truth sets us free. We want to be free people today. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, our God and King. Help us to not just be hearers of the word, but help us to be doers also. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ and every glad heart said, amen. You may be seated. Um, in our society today, we uh, love to redefine things. Y'all know. So much so that uh, some brilliant person uh, decided to uh, come up with a uh, invention, I guess you can call it, but a website called Urban Dictionary. Uh-huh. <laughs> Y'all know what Urban Dictionary is. It's, it's uh, basically people's opinion of what the word means or how they relate to the word. You know, words like uh, goat. Yeah. Now, some of y'all looking confused. Because when you think of goat, you think of that animal that runs around and eats up your shoe, maybe, or tears up everything. But when we look at our definition today, it's very different. If you look at the Urban Dictionary, this word goat is an acronym that means Greatest of all time. Go. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all know goats. Let's give some examples. Here, here, here it is. You know, if you go over to the NBA and you look at uh, LeBron James, you call him the. Oh. I don't want to fight. All right, here you go. Look at Michael Jordan. You call him the GOAT. This one might get y'all too. Uh, look at the NFL. Tom Brady. I don't care what you say. To the world, he's considered a GOAT. I'm an Eagles fan, you ain't gotta worry about that. But even look over, go into swimming. Michael Phelps would be considered a GOAT. Look at boxing, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, and as arrogant as he is, Floyd Money Mayweather will be considered a GOAT. These are people who are considered to be great. Those who are faced with obstacles or opponents step up to the plate and bring it home. Goats, but here in this text, we come and we see the GOAT. Yeah, the one who has never lost a fight, has never missed a shot, never been traded or had to trade to another team, never had to retire and never cheated. Indeed, the GOAT of all GOATs. This text here is tailored to teach us that God is greater than any and all enemies. And so for the few moments I have left, I'd like to walk us through this passage and see the greatness of God. Look at verse one. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
Well, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now, to take a trip back, let's just backtrack just a little bit. You look at Luke where uh, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Mary, listen, you found favor with God and you're going to carry this baby Jesus. She's a little turned around by it, but she said, you know, I'm going to trust, trust the one who has sent you. You come over to Matthew chapter 1 and you see more of the story unfold. As the baby bump starts to show, Joseph, like we heard last week from Pastor Kurt, gets a little disturbed by it. He has to rethink some things. And yet another time, an angel comes to him and says, hey, Joseph, don't you worry about her. Don't you worry about this situation that you're in. God's got you. And to be honest, God is not only going to bless you by this, he's going to bless a whole lot of people. Yeah. We, we, we go back over to Luke and we see those frail men who are working in the field, those shepherd boys who encounter the Lord Jesus himself. Then we come right back over to where we are today in Matthew chapter 2 and we see some more people come onto the scene. You see it? In comes Herod, who is the king during this time. He was considered a master builder. He's, he restored the temple in Jerusalem. He built many theaters, cities, and palaces. He had fortresses, and he even had a building plan. This man was ready. He was ready to take on this, this throne that, he was, that was given to him, and he was going to do some things that changed the way people even looked at him. Not only that, not only him, but we see wise men also come into the picture. Wise men who would have practiced astrology, who were uh, people who uh, looked at dreams and tried to get from the dream what that actually meant. They would study the sacred writings. They also pursued wisdom. Hence their names. These men would come to the place where Herod rules and they ask a simple question. It's in a text. They say in verse 2, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come. Now watch how this story unfolds. Look at verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. Don't skip past that part. King Herod was deeply disturbed. He built all this stuff and helped out the city. Had some, got some people alongside of him. And now they upset that there's another king. Oh, that's, that's why y'all can't shout, because I forgot to tell you uh, about an important fact about King Herod. King Herod uh, was also a firm ruler. It, it, it said that he's actually uh, a ruthless leader. You're still looking at me funny. I, I'm going to tell you why they say he's a ruthless leader. He killed his wife and kids. And some of his relatives. Y'all, yeah. 
Now, 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 you, you, you gotta understand this man is crazy. Sound like today, don't it? They think they good, but I'm gonna get, let me move. The, the, this man has killed his own family members and is now hearing about somebody being king of anything and he has a problem with it. Do you think he would withhold death to this random person if he killed his own family? This man would surely not spare a stranger if he didn't spare his own child or his wife. But it's interesting because what we see in this text is that there is no enemy too ruthless. And, that, and even as ruthless as King Herod is, it can't stop the sovereignty of God. This leads me to my very first point. One of three and I'm out your way. God uses his enemies to glorify himself. Look at verse four. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. They say in Bethlehem of Judea, tell him, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Look at verse 7. When Herod secretly, don't skip by it, Herod then secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. Verse 8. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. For when you find him, report back to me so that I can too worship him. Secretly, but I want to come worship him. But watch this. Remember the sovereignty of God? Watch how God orchestrates this. The wise men are led by a star to Jerusalem. When they get there, they say exactly why they are there. Herod and all of Jerusalem hear this. They mad. Herod says, I'm calling for a town hall meeting. Everybody in here now. He calls the chief priests, those who oversee the temple. Then he called the, the scribes. He said, hey, I need y'all to open up this text and reveal some stuff to me. They open up their scrolls and they say exactly what the Old Testament was saying. They, they pinpoint exactly where Jesus would be born. And then the wise men are sent to go search for Jesus. Maybe I moved too fast for you. God gets Herod to use his own resources to give clarity to the wise men. What was the point earlier? that God uses his enemies to glorify himself. This is interesting because you might think, you know, well, he could, why didn't God just send, send him another angel or something? 
Why couldn't they just go in there and say, hey, you know, Jesus is here at this point. God's going to milk everything to show that he gets the glory out of, out of everything. Y'all look at me for let me, let me Let me keep going. Let me make it simple, plain for you. Here it is. In the 1970s, sorry, in 1700, I'm missing. Um, there was a man by, it's too close, right? Uh, there was a man by Voltaire who was a French philosopher. He also was a writer, and he also um, was considered a historian. He um, was more known for his hate for Christians. He would talk about them. He said he believed that there was no God and that if you believed in God, that you indeed were lowering your intellectual ability. That's powerful words to say to somebody, right? He, as all of us, would then, or it would come time for him to die. He would lay on his deathbed and be in torture, agony. Nurse said that he would scream for days upon days. This man who was in need of God, on his deathbed, mind you, he cursed God, wanted nothing to do with him, is laying here. Now, sad that he dies, but remember, God gets the glory out of everything. If you go to that man's house today, you wouldn't see a shrine of his. You wouldn't see any of his written material, no. In fact, you would see a Bible factory giving out Bibles to the whole world. He's using the person who cursed him, the place where he used to talk about God, to now distribute that I am God and that I am in control. Be careful. Be careful. But what you do, what you say, you don't have to take it into your own hands. Let God work for you. He gets his glory out of everything. There's nothing he won't leave untouched to get his glory out of. And that same pursuit that he has to one rapture and take us up. And that same pursuit of getting his glory, that's the type of ambition we should have. This leads me to my next point. That's God's enemies shouldn't stop your pursuit of him. Shouldn't stop your pursuit of him. Verse 9, after hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling down to their knees, they worshiped him. They opened up their treasures and, present, and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men here have now reached the place where Jesus is. They are overwhelmed just by the sight of the star. But can you imagine 
their journey there. Can you see them traveling for over 600 miles to get here? Can you step in their shoes for a second? It, it would take, have taken them anywhere from 35 to 40 days to get here. Not minutes, not seconds, days. Can you hear them asking questions? Questions like, is it even worth it? Questions like, is what I heard and seen even real? Can this really be, can the prophecy really come to pass? Sometimes we don't have to go far to witness discouragement. We don't need another person to come change our mind. Sometimes we sure know how to tear ourselves down. Talk ourselves out of seeking the Lord's face. It's all right if it doesn't hit home for you, it hits home for me. There are days where I'm fighting procrastination. Where I lay in bed and wake up and eyes are open and can't wrap my mind of whether I should roll over again and get some more sleep or if I should get up and get in my word. I'm by myself, it's all right. But, but sometimes we don't have to go far to experience an enemy. Sometimes we just gotta walk to our bathrooms. For some of us, we wake up in our bedrooms, turn around to that big old mirror in the corner and say, there is the enemy, it's me. Me talking myself out of seeking the Lord's face. Me denying that God has been good to me. Me denying that he's made a way, me. Sometimes the enemy it's right there staring me in the face. And yet, there are some times where you fall into whatever that is, where you let that thing, you let that procrastination get the best of you. But there's some times when you make up in your mind, you feel God tugging on your heart, and you decide to get up, and you get in your word, and you say, man, this is some good stuff. If only I would have gotten up earlier to witness and be in the presence of God. You get to commune with him and walk with him and your mind is changed and your worldview is changed. All when you stop letting yourself get in the way of you seeking God's face. Their pursuit is beautiful here because they don't stop. They keep going even though it's a long trip. They have to see the king. I love the way Dr. Evans uh, talks about this pursuit that the wise men have. He says this, he says, they saw Jesus' star from a great distance. They close up on it and they find Jesus. In order, to, in order for the prophetic word of God to, uh, to become real to you, you have to be willing to take the trip. Amen. 
You, you, watch this. You, you must be willing to pursue that which God has spoken because in your pursuit, you are exercising faith that what God has said is indeed true. God is waiting for some of you to just get up and take a trip. He's begging you to take a trip. It's worth it. Experiencing him is worth the trip. It might be long and hard, but you gotta know if I just endure, he, he will give me the endurance to get there. Take the trip. Stop letting people talk you out of things. Stop letting you talk you out of things. Get up and take the trip. We've seen such thus far in this text that God uses his enemies to glorify himself. He also uses or he begs us to bypass and move forward in our pursuit of him. But lastly, we see in this text that God's enemies don't have the last word. Yeah, God's enemies don't have a last word. Help me, Holy Ghost, to get through this. Verse 12 says this, and being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their own country. Watch this, by another way. Yeah. Wise men have seen Jesus. They have presented their gifts, frankincense and myrrh, which were only given at the altar. Mind you, they're giving them to the king. That's, that's a whole nother sermon. They worshiped him. They have celebrated. They've, they had some food too. They ate until they were full and got the itis and took a nap. Dur during that nap, God comes to them and he says, hey, I know what Herod said, but don't go that way. I know what you heard from this earthly king. But this is what I'm saying. And so, after that beautiful nap, they woke up and they said, oh man, you know, goodness gracious, that's good. They said, oh, I remember the dream. So they, uh, they went around the room, said goodbye. They dapped Joseph. They uh, kissed baby Jesus. I'm sorry, he's a toddler at this point. He, kissed the toddler Jesus, went and hugged Mary, and they grabbed their stuff and they went on another route. Now, now, it's interesting because scholars say that there are so many routes that they could have taken. They could have went through so many different avenues, but one thing we can definitely know for sure is that whatever route they took was probably longer than when they got there, the one they took to get in there. But what's, what's different about their journey home than the journey they took to get there is they have now seen and heard from God. Y'all know like those rods that y'all take? 
where you got to get on the road and you don't know quite where you're going and it takes forever to get to that place. You ready to get out of the car. Then you experience wherever you're going. But on the way home, that ride seems a lot shorter than what it was. Why? Because you have already gotten to where you need to go. Now you're just going home. This is what they're, ex they're experiencing. They didn't have their fun. They didn't celebrated the king. And now it's time for them to go home because they have heard from the Lord and they are satisfied that whatever comes my way, I'll be all right because I've seen and I've heard from the Lord. This is crazy because remember Herod is saying, you better come back to me and tell me where he is. But when God has the last word, you can take that last word and go on. God working behind the scenes. Uh, let me see if I can make it plain and get in my seat. I, I Christmas just passed. I, I decided to get my wife something nice. I want to say, hey, this, let's, let's hurry up and get it. Um, so I went everywhere, we went shopping, and I was like, I can't find the thing anywhere. They don't have it or it's out of stock, whatever. And so I went and I was like, you know what? Nobody has it in stock, so I'll just order it online. Ordered it online and made a nice little way of saying this is on the way. So she was happy and I was like, amen. She wasn't mad that it wasn't here right away. <laughs> and so um, yesterday it came, the package came. Um, I didn't get it sent to my house because my neighborhood, but that's anyway. <laughs> So I got it sent to her mom's house, which is not too far, uh, her parents' house, which is not too far from, from my house. And so um, we, 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 we get in the car yesterday after working on a sermon and finishing up some things. I, I was tired and I said, let's just go ahead and get them. And so we, we drive there and we get there. And I said, okay, they said they left it on the side of the house. And I said, okay, go to the side of the house. And it was, was it there? I said, okay, well, I'm going to go back in the house. I said, hey, 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 Pop, did you, um, did you see a package? And he's like, oh, no, I didn't see it, son. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> then I went, we, uh, we called her mom. I said, hey, Mom, did, did you see a package? And she said, well, I've been at work all, all day, baby. I, I haven't seen it. And so we was like, okay, well, we got one more person. Parthen, did you, um, hey, did you see uh, a package, bro? He was like, nah, dog, I didn't see no package. <laughs> Sorry. All right, well, thank you. And so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a little frustrated at this point. And so, you know, God's still working on me. And so I, 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 I looked on the website and I was like, man, um, let me just call him. Called him. I said, hey, you know, it, it felt like an eternity until I talked to somebody, but I finally got somebody. Somebody clicked over. I said, hey, um, and I explained everything to him. And, and she said, oh, you know what? We'll, we'll just send you out some, the new item. I said, okay, thank you, appreciate it. On the way home, I was excited, happy, yes. Babe, you gotta wait a little longer, but it's on the way. It's just, it's coming, it's coming, baby. So I got home and uh, went to bed. Then 5.30, got up, and I, something said, you know, check your account. And I looked at the account, I said, whoa, wait a second. They, they, they charged me again for this. 5.30, and so I, I said, oh, you know what? Eyes still crusty, walked in the other room because she was asleep. I said, hey, you know, let, let me look up the website. It said 24-hour 
24-7. I said, amen. I'm going to call him right now. It wasn't that long because it was early in the morning. So I, I said, hey, how you doing? Um, I'm, I'm a little disturbed by this. I, I just need this package. Um, and it looks like they charged me for it. She said, all right, hold on one second. She clicked over and the little tunes play, jingle bells or whatever. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, God, come on. Can you help me out? And she said, oh, I see, I see what happened. She did charge you. Um, but there are some people over here that can fix that for you. Um, and and we'll, we'll make it work for you and we'll send it to you and you'll be all right. You missed it. They, they, there were people, even though I was on the whole line, who were working on my behalf so that I can get what I needed to get. They had the last word. The person who stole that package might have thought they had the last word. But oh no. They had, there was somebody who was on the other side who had more power than the thief had to work out some things for me. I, 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 I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad that there's somebody always working for me. Herod thought that when he sent the wise men that he had the last word. Herod also thought that when he ordered uh, the, that great mass uh, murder of killing all the, boys, all the boys two years and younger that he had the last word and that his kingdom wouldn't be taken down. But, but you gotta know that little did Herod know that the one who wrote Herod's story still wasn't finished writing. And guess what? He has the last word. You asking me, little black preacher, why you keep telling me who has the last word? He got the last word, not just then, but he got the last word in your life. You don't know where? I'm going to tell you where. Just look around. There's some folks who needed liver transplants, and God had the last word. There's some people who were on the bed of affliction, and God had the last word. There were some people in desperate need of a job, and God had the last word. You ain't got to look too far, but you got to know that God has the last word, and when he has the last word, can nobody take that word from him. I don't know about you, but I love what the old hymn writer said. It said, be not dismayed. Whatever be time, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love about, God will take care of you. So don't you worry. Don't you pray. God will take care of you. You want to know where your last words are. They were said on Calvary's cross when they hung him high and they stretched him wide and they hung his head. For me he died. That's the last words. They thought they had the last words on that Friday when they had dinner together. But you got another thing coming. They thought they had the last words when they scrambled eggs that Saturday morning. But that's another thing coming. They thought they had the last words when they made their peanut butter and jelly sandwich on that lunchtime break. They thought they had the last words when they gathered for dinner that Saturday night. But God said, I have some more words. I got to tell you, I rolled the stone away. This is his words coming to action. You better be glad that he's not just one who says good things, but he can back up everything that he said because God has the last word.
Father, it's good to know. That whatever we face can't stop us. But more than that, anything that we face doesn't surprise you and cannot stop you. You're a God who is big and who cares for us. You will take care of your children. We know that whatever we face, if it looks impossible for man, oh, we know that it's, it's definitely possible for God. That question that they asked in the Old Testament, is there anything too hard for God? And I'm glad to report today that there is nothing too hard for God. Thank you. John reports in John that you didn't stop being great. That you didn't let people do what they want. You said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. That's some words that we can stick with. That our God is indeed in control of everything. That we cannot be moved. We cannot be shaken. And that we can tell the devil not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Not because of anything that we do, but because of who our God is. Thank you for being great. For giving your son for us we love you and we thank you it's in the precious name of jesus christ that we pray never glad heart said amen. amen amen thank you for tuning in to today's message i hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of christ in every area of life if this message has been a blessing to you we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.